Captain. Our computer is picking up a strange signal. I don't want any baloney, magic tricks, or psychological mumbo jumbo. Errors in time and space. Greetings, Liminerds, broadcasting to you from a location outside of time and space. This is Liminal Unlimited. I'm Kyle Thatcher. I'm Jenny Thatcher. And here we are. Here we are. Face to face. Uh, just a Don't cu- even start. Just a couple of... <laughs> you can't do that. No, why not? It's copyrighted. It's an old show. Nobody knows it. Yeah, well. Anyway. So, Jenny, what? after our uh, sump pump adventures that we uh, put out on social media, sorry, we're, yes. we're a little bit behind on this one. We had some homeowner issues. Such fun. Uh, a lot of rain here in Pennsylvania, um, but we're back. And so we don't want to fuss too much, so we want to get into it. Jenny, what are we talking about today? triangles now i learned about those in like preschool (laughs) not that kind of triangle spooky triangles spooky triangles is that a euphemism (laughs) Uh, no for what (laughs) never mind no so like weird paranormal triangles um, A.K.A. the Bermuda Triangle, or the Alaskan Triangle, um, the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. I wish I had a triangle, like a musical triangle. I could just go ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, and I guess you found a few others too, but yeah. mysterious places where mysterious things happen, and for some reason. It's in the general shape of a triangle. And nobody seems to agree on what's going on. Um, nobody seems to agree on, is it paranormal? Is it not paranormal? Is it just a bunch of BS that somebody made up to write a book? Is it um, coincidence? Is it the Earth's magnetic field is weird in these places? And for some reason... Uh, we just love to refer to them as triangles. Well, I guess you could probably make any shape yeah, if you that, really tried hard enough. What, but if, what if we got to have a mysterious dodecahedron? It doesn't quite roll off the tongue. A rhombus. The, the mystery rhombus of <laughs> Pennsylvania. There probably is one. We could probably come up with one. If you... Just plot it right. I don't call them rhomboids. I know, like rhomboids. an official dis- description is rhomboids, but that Rhombuses. sounds that sounds like you have like a medical condition. <laughs> like, I my rhomboids acting up. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what got you interested in triangles, honey? What what because you you really wanted to do this this subject. So what what about these triangles really captures your imagination? Well, I think, I don't know, I've always been interested in the Bermuda Triangle and the weird things that happen there. And then the Alaskan Triangle, 
Like, more people go missing there than any other place. Crazy numbers of people have gone missing there. Granted, it is Alaska. So some of them could have been eaten by grizzly bears. That's not going to happen just anywhere. But why is that happening? It's just, it's very mysterious. People just disappear. Planes, ships, poop, they're gone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Never to be seen again. Poop, they're gone. What's happening? Well, and even, I will say about the Alaska Triangle, even more so than... Uh, the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is the granddaddy of all triangles. All right. That's the one that everybody you talk about mystery triangles. Everybody says Bermuda, um, but uh, unlike in Bermuda, Bermuda really just is known because of plane disappearances, ship disappearances, things like that. There have been, you know, if you watched enough unsolved mysteries. You know, oh, a guy was flying over the Bermuda Triangle and saw strange lights, and mm-hmm. but not quite as much as Alaska. Yeah. Alaska, the Alaska Triangle, has not just the disappearances, which alone the the high number of disappearances and disappearances where no remains or anything are ever found. They have other paranormal things going on there. Same thing with the Bridgewater Triangle. The Bridgewater They've Triangle. They've got everything. That, yeah, the Bridgewater Triangle uh, is most known for, uh, I think, UFOs and things like that. But, yeah, there's tons of stuff going on there. So, Bermuda has the the hype. Yeah. The, the street cred, <laughs> as the kids say. Um, but these it's other... not the only game in town. Right. These other triangles that we're going to talk about are much weirder much stranger, much spookier. And we're going to get in we're going to touch on a little bit of that. There's there's tons of things if you if you did a deep dive and watched every documentary there is and everything, you'd find tons of different little anecdotal stories. I think we're we're going to try and cover the major points, you know, to do this in a single episode. Yeah. Um so first, I guess we we should talk about the beautiful island of Bermuda. So, Bermuda Triangle, a.k.a. the Devil's Triangle. Now, that's a euphemism. That is a euphemism. I felt like I was in a 1950s (laughs) hygiene (laughs) film. (laughs) I don't think they called it that in hygiene films, but... Beware, young men of the Devil's Triangle. (laughs) How to keep your Devil's Triangle clean. (laughs) Has your devil's triangle ever felt, mm, I don't know, unfresh? (laughs) Mom, what's a devil's triangle? Dear. (laughs) Anyway. You should have seen her devil's triangle. Anyway. (laughs) So, the, the very first disappearance that was uh, reported uh the the one that kind of put the bermuda triangle on the map uh it was reported uh september 17th 1950 in the miami herald um they just uh it discussed uh you know the disappearance of uh, one of the famous flights and things like that and then uh, two years later it really took traction when fate magazine 
published an article called Sea Mystery at Our Back Door by George Sand. Um, the original area was defined uh, as a triangle stretching between Miami, Florida, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and the island of Bermuda, hence Bermuda Triangle. Um, and that's, it's shifted over the years. It's sort of like one of those things where uh, you know, you have stories that come out where people say, oh, well, uh, I know of this ship or plane that disappeared, but it wasn't quite in the triangle, you know? So now mm-hmm. like you've seen, you see on some documentaries, they talk about how there's like the, the, the Bermuda triangle. And then there's like Bermuda triangle junior mm-hmm. over here. Like it's the Disney channel, you know, mm-hmm. this is Bermuda Triangle Jr. And some disappearances happen over here, and it, like, connects with, like, another set of islands and stuff. Um, but the classic Bermuda Triangle is the Miami-San Juan-Bermuda area. Um, and when it comes to the disappearances and stuff, most critics say that the number of disappearances are not actually disproportionate to other areas around the world. They blame things like tropical storms, uh, sloppy research, or downright hoaxes and lies. Um, However, the response to that is that some of the criticisms fail to explain uh, the disappearances that are documented to have occurred during completely calm conditions and the ones that involve highly trained or experienced pilots or sailors. It's sort of like you know, how do you explain, you know, this pilot um, says their instruments went weird or this pilot disappears and there was no, there was no crazy weather at the time. How do you account for any of that? Um, So some of the explanations that have come up over the years for the Bermuda Triangle uh, have been uh, anywhere from leftover technology from Atlantis Okay. If you believe in Atlantis. Maybe. UFO activity. Um, some people, and you'll hear my flipping, some people uh, believe that the compass issues could be related to magnetic variations. Um, s- most scientists say that this just isn't true, um, even though there have been numerous anecdotal incidents of pilots and sailors experiencing uh, compass problems, uh, which should only be due to uh, magnetic interference. Um, some people say uh, that, oh, these things, the planes crash or the ships uh, run aground or something, and the Gulf Stream carries away the wreckage never to be found. Um, most people say human error, just simple human error or violent weather. Um, However, the two that really interest would interest us would be some people have posited that it's a parallel dimensional crossover point mm-hmm. that for some reason, uh, you know, it's there's uh, people have gone as far as to say, oh, there's like wormhole activity a la Skinwalker Ranch style stuff. Um, but one of the leading scientific theories, and I say scientific even though it doesn't have a lot of um support is methane hydrates which <laughs> and I can tell by your silence that you're flabbergasted by this simple theory no I I saw that as well <laughs> I was just thinking that 
you're an expert in methane. So it's good that, <laughs> good that you're talking about this theory. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so they, they claim, the people who support this uh, theory claim that pre- the presence of large fields of methane hydrates on undersea on the continental shelf um, you know, with tectonic plate activity, uh, these methane hydrates could be released. And if one of these pockets were released, it can, and they, they, they have proven in a lab that this could happen, um, that if one of these pockets of methane hydrates were released, the gases float to the surface and it can actually decrease the density of the water and actually negates the buoyancy of ships. So when they've done this in labs, I've actually seen these experiments where they take like a model ship, it's built to scale, it's built to be, have the equivalent buoyancy in the water as the, you know, what would be a full scale vessel, and they release a ton of air bubbles underneath, in the water underneath the ship in like a tank. And when they do this, and the bubbles start to come up, and they start to churn the water and froth the water the ship literally just sinks down Yeesh. into the water uh, and, and eventually will, it gets swamped and it disappears. Um, so it's actually, it's an interesting theory because it's scientifically viable. Right. Um, not only that, but the release of gases, I mean, those gases don't just stop at the surface, they go up into the air. And so some people think that maybe all this rising methane gas could possibly affect the aerodynamics of an airplane and maybe cause the airplane to plummet. Hmm. Um, Now, the USGS says that there hasn't been a large release of hydrates in the area uh, that uh, composes the triangle in 15,000 years. So it's unlikely, and I think we probably would notice a large enough methane release that would cause like a tanker to submerge. Yeah. I think we might notice that. You might. Um, but it's an interesting theory, you know, and, and does it have to be methane? Cause really it could be any gas, any gas that disturbs the, the density of the water at the surface could be doing this. Um, it's just the people who support the theory, they say that the most likely one would be these methane hydrates because that's what you find trapped in these pockets under the these tectonic plate areas. Right. Now, here's the funny thing, though. So now let's get into it um, because the methane hydrate thing, even though I love the idea that it's just, you know, a thin crossover point into parallel dimensions. You know, that's the part that gets me going. But the methane hydrate theory could explain something about the disappe- the disappearance of Flight 19. Now, Flight 19 is one of the most famous of all of the disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle because this involved a training flight out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, that was taking place on December 5th, 1945. It was a squadron of 
uh, TBM Avenger torpedo bombers. Now, Navy investigators officially blamed it on navigational errors leading to critical loss of fuel. Because basically what happened was uh, the squadron of these torpedo bombers, they were on, it was like routine maneuver training flight, and they were supposed to do like a pattern, like go out, you know, fly out to one area, change direction, fly down, and they were going to do it. It was supposed to all be done by instruments. You know, it was part of the training was to fly by your instruments. So use the coordinates, use your compass, use all these things. And they're supposed to hit two points out over the ocean. They're supposed to fly over one of the islands, and they're supposed to come back to Fort Lauderdale and land. These guys fly out, and very quickly things start to kind of devolve. Um, all of a sudden, the squadron leader uh, starts seeming to have trouble figuring out where they are. Um, he's getting readings but on his instruments, but they don't seem to be right. He's, uh, the compasses are, are, he's thinking they're showing the wrong directions because he's reporting that the sun should be over one shoulder, but it's over the other. Um, and there starts to seem to be like collective confusion amongst the pilots. Now, the only reason they know any of this is because of some of the radio chatter that was picked up during the flight. But the radio chatter, you know, the radios uh, then were not like they are now. So they're picking up, like, bits and pieces from different receivers during the flight. And uh, at one point, you have reports that they're crossing over a major land body, um, which they think must be uh, Florida. They think that they've crossed Florida and are going into the Gulf, and they think that they have to turn around and go back. But it's possible that they weren't over Florida, and they're actually then flying in the, the wrong direction and going further out to sea. Hmm. But how would they get confused about that if, they're, yeah. you know, if their instruments were working correctly? Um, and there just seemed to be a breakdown of basic, you know, what you might call... Um, I'm, I'm lacking the word, but like you know, kind of seamanship of knowing where the sun is, knowing where things are over the ocean. There seemed to be like a total breakdown of that knowledge. But here's the interesting part to me. So, um, the the flight leader was reported as stating over the radio, we are entering white water. Nothing seems right. We don't know where we are. The water is green. No, white. And then, you know, very shortly after that, they lose radio contact. And they're not being picked up on any radar where they would be expected to be seen. And so that got me thinking, like, well, he's reporting that the water is white. Well, why would the water be white? The water would be white if it was churning from a release of gases. Hmm. The gases rising up to the surface would turn it into white water like you would see in a river. Right. It would be churning and bubbling and frothing. Hmm. Is it possible 
that some type of gas, maybe not methane, but that some type of there was some type of gaseous release from the ocean floor that came up, churned that water, caused an aerodynamic issue in the planes. The planes were already experiencing... See, I think the magnetic stuff that's throwing off their compasses, their instruments, I think that's like separate. Hmm. Um, I'm sure other people, you know, other people who study this stuff, they'd say, oh, you know, that's aliens. <laughs> you know, they would say, oh, it's... Could be. They coincide, that the aliens did something somehow to use the... underwater alien spaceship rising to the surface that turned the water white. Could be. But we don't know that. It's possible. Possible. Unlikely, but possible. <laughs> but they're having these compass issues. They're flying around. They're running out of fuel. And then this event happens where some type of gas is released and it affects their aerodynamics and they go into the ocean. Mm-hmm. But then that begs the question, if they went down in the ocean and they did it somewhere within the scope of the Bermuda Triangle. Now, given it's a lot of ocean, technology wasn't, in 1945, technology wasn't what it is today. But with however many planes that were in that squadron, you would think something would have been seen or found if they were in the area that they should have been. You would think. You know, unless there was something that caused when the planes hit the water, caused them to sink straight down Mm -hmm. to the bottom very rapidly. Right. So when I looked this up, when I did my wonderful research a la Wikipedia, (laughs) uh, there have been, uh, between 1945 and 2022, there were 18 plane incidents... There were 17 ship incidents between 1492 and 2015. And there was one incident on land. So if you look at the numbers overall, they're not actually like crazy numbers. Mm -hmm. I think Bermuda, part of the Bermuda thing, I think there's a possibility there is weird stuff going on. But I think a lot of it is hype because Mm -hmm. it's the one that's gotten the most written about and everybody knows. Yeah. Um, but the the one incident on land actually kind of got me. August 1969, two lighthouse keepers at the Great Isaac Lighthouse uh, disappeared during a hurricane in Bimini, Bahamas, huh. and they were never found. Yeesh. So, I mean, I don't, you know, you hear of like hurricanes, you know, like waves washing people away and things like that. But it's, it's not like nor, like you don't usually just hear of people like disappearing in a hurricane. Right. Like they're usually, their bodies are usually found somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but these, these two lighthouse keepers were not. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so now. There was a recent disappearance. Uh, when was this? So this was from. January of 2021, a ship with 20 people on board went missing, heading from Florida to the Bahamas, and I couldn't find any articles about it ever being found. Um, and the U.S. Coast Guard suspended its search. Oh, it left the Bahamas. It was heading towards Florida. They searched more than 17,000 square miles. 
for about 84 hours before suspending the search. They never released any information about who was on the boat, which is weird. That is weird. <laughs> right? And there is a cruise ship that, um, let's see, it's the Norwegian Prima Liner. Offers a two-day Bermuda Triangle-themed cruise from New York to Bermuda for $1,800, which seems like an awful lot for two days. But they uh, have a 100% return rate, and your money will be refunded in the rare chance you disappear. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, well I, I picked out a few um, interesting historical uh, events. Um, the very first one that... Um, that stood out to me was so you talk about shipping ship incidents um and they start those the the list was started at 1492 that's because october 11th of 1492 columbus sailed the ocean blue christopher columbus and the crew of the santa maria report seeing unknown lights before making landfall in guanahani which is modern day san salvador mm. They saw strange lights in the sky before they That's made landfall. Um, then another, the next one that stood out to me was March 4th, 1918. The USS Cyclops sails from Barbados with 306 souls aboard en route to Baltimore. It was never seen again. Hmm. That's a, that's a, I mean, a ship that carries 306 passengers that's and crew. Boat. Yeah, and for that to go missing and nobody to be found. Yeah. I mean, heck, people made it people survived the Titanic sinking. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow 306 people out of 306 no one seems to have survived whatever happened to the Cyclops. Then December 22nd, 1967. I thought I had to mention this just because of the name of the boat alone. A cabin cruiser called the Witchcraft. Uh, it was owned by hotel owner and yachtsman hmm. Dan Borak. And uh, Dan decided it's December 22nd, it's Christmas time. He and his uh, friend, uh, the priest, Patrick Hogan, uh, decide to sail a mile off of the Miami coastline to view the Christmas lights visible on shore. Uh, not very long after they go out, the Coast Guard receives a mayday stating that their propeller had struck something and they needed a tow. Now, if you're a mile out from shore, what is your propeller hit? That's my first question. Right. Uh, my second question, uh, so Burak, uh, according to the people who received the mayday, uh, Borak did not sound desperate or stressed. Um, they think this is because the witchcraft had a special flotation device that was installed in its hull that prevented sinking. Hmm. It was like this it was a boat that was supposed to not be able to sink. I've heard that before. <laughs> when the Coast Guard reached the reported coordinates of the May Day, the ship and Borak and Hogan were missing and were never found. And they went a mile. They were only off. a mile offshore. That's nuts. So it just that stood out to me because what the heck did their propeller 
quote-unquote hit, and then the ship is gone. Yeah. And the two guys never found, and it was supposed to be an unsinkable boat. It was supposed to have this special thing installed in it that would keep it afloat no matter what, so it could be recovered. And they never saw it again. Weird. Really weird. Wee wee weird. Aliens. <laughs> So now, do you want to talk about? Uh, well, let's talk about Bermuda. What do you What do you think is happening in Bermuda? I don't know. I definitely think there's weird magnetic stuff going on. I think that messes with instrumentation, and that's part of it. Do you believe the theory that that's where uh, the magnetic poles used to be? Because supposedly there was that big magnetic shift. In the poles, you know, Mm -hmm. hundreds or thousands of years ago. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But I think that's a big part of it. And then the rest of it, I don't know. The methane is interesting. It's an interesting theory. But I have a hard time believing that enough gas would be emitted to you know sink a ship out of you know in this giant ocean i mean maybe and then go up to the air like wouldn't it dissipate i don't know unless they're cthulhu farts well that's the other thing maybe there's you know remember the the bloop the bloop that (laughs) deep water sound of whatever now they're trying to say it was an ice quake the bloop whatever that is yeah bloop but that's in the Pacific Ocean. Bloop, you're gone. Bloop, you're gone. But there could be another bloop in the Atlantic Ocean. Some underwater creature. Uh, Jormungandr. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, the Bermuda Triangle, it's one of those things where I, I have a hard time differentiating the hype mm-hmm. from actual weird events. I think that even though you have... Uh, a ton of these people trying to say, oh, the magnetic stuff isn't real. And this, there have been tons of people that have reported strange compass yeah. readings and people things. People know what they're doing. Yeah, when they go into that area, go through that area. You know, there, there are uh, specifically um, a, lot of, a lot of experienced seasoned sailors and pilots that will not fly straight through that area. And you can say, well, they can be superstitious people, but that's more than just superstition. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, why doesn't it happen all the time? And to everyone who goes into that area, like, that's weird too. Yeah. You'd think that it would be more consistent if it was like a completely natural event that's happening. But yeah, I, I don't think it's methane because if it was all methane, then it would be, we would be... Uh, You'd see, like, giant fish die-offs and things mm-hmm. in that area. And, you know, our our uh, atmosphere and ozone layer and everything would be, like, completely shot. Right. If there were these giant releases. Yeah. I mean, heck, they're talking about the cows produce, you know, too much yeah. methane. Like, a big pocket of this methane being released would be, you know, um, planet deadly. Right. You know? Um but, I mean, that doesn't preclude some other gas, you know, mm-hmm. something strange, something that we're not accounting for. Um, do do I actually think there's parallel dimensional stuff going on there? Yes. 
Yes, I, there is. I tend to be skeptical of that. I tend to not not buy that. Um, I'm open to the possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they flew through yeah. some portal. And came out who knows where. Some alternate dimension. That's why we never found them. They where f- else would they be? They flew out Cthulhu's butt and became the methane. <sighs> No, no, that's not what I was saying, but that's a possibility. (laughs) I was a Cthulhu turd. (laughs) The next sci-fi movie. (laughs) So, um, do you want to talk about Alaska next, or do you want to talk about Bridgewater? Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Okay. <laughs> what? So what did? Uh, my mother told me to pick the very best one. And, uh, let's talk about. Um, we can talk about Bridgewater, I suppose. Okay. All right. What What's going on in Bridgewater? Well, quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot going on in Bridgewater. So the Bridgewater Triangle is in southeastern Massachusetts. Um, and it is an area between the towns of Abington, Freetown, and Rehoboth. Forms a nice little triangle. Um, I should hope so, otherwise we've totally botched this episode. Yes, and within that triangle there's like East Bridgewater, West Bridgewater, and Bridgewater, so I guess that's why it's the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, The term was coined by New England-based cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, that's L-O-R-E-N, and he coined the term. Um, Sounds like a Tolkien character. It does. It does. <laughs> um, in the 70s, he coined the term. Um, so, yeah, it's an area of about 200 square miles, uh, which claims to be the site of alleged paranormal phenomena ranging from UFOs to poltergeists, orbs, balls of fire, and other spectral phenomena, various Bigfoot-like sightings, giant snakes... And Thunderbirds. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Now, um, so in this area, back in 1675 to 1678, there was a war called King Philip's War. Um, it was an armed conflict between indigenous inhabitants of New England and colonists and their indigenous allies. So the war is named for Metacom, the Wampanoag chief who adopted the name Philip because of the friendly relations between his father, Massasoit, and the Mayflower pilgrims. So this um, guy just decided, I'm King Philip. I'm King Philip, yes. That's what he, that's what he was, was known by. Um, but it ended very badly. And so now the theory is that the land is cursed the you know the native americans put a curse on this land and that's why all of these weird things happen ancient native american curses Mm. huh Mm. (laughs) so did they did they move the headstones but not the bodies yes dear so a revered that's a a poltergeist reference oh my gosh (laughs) So, a revered object of the Wampanoag people, a belt, 
known as the Wampum Belt, was lost during King Philip's War. And legend says the area owes its paranormal unrest to the fact that this belt was lost from the native people. And then I saw another um, paranormal investigator guy on one of these documentaries saying maybe the weird you know, energy of this area predates that. And that's why this horrible war happened here. It's considered to be one like the deadliest colonial war. Tons of people died. So there are um, a few places within the triangle that have the, you know, largest number of paranormal happenings going on. There's the Hockamock Swamp. Gesundheit. Hockamock which means the place where spirits dwell. English colonizers called it Devil's Swamp. Alleged sightings reported here include various flying creatures and ghosts. There's the Freetown Fall River State Forest, which I actually have some Reddit stories about. Oh. Creepy things happening there. Reportedly been the site of various cult activity including animal sacrifice, ritualistic murders committed by admitted Satanists, as well as a number of gangland murders and a number of suicides. I'm sorry, I was just watching The Devil's Reign this weekend on The Last Drive-In. It's an uh, interesting one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quite the cast. Bill Shatner... Ernest Borgnine is a satanic cult leader. Yeah, it's it's Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt, a young John Tom Travolta. Skerritt. John Travolta as <laughs> I don't know douchebag cult member number three. <laughs> it's a weird one. And he's overdubbed. It's not even. I don't even think oh it was God. his voice. I think he was overdubbed in it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So that would have been great hearing John Travolta go. <laughs> yeah, hail Satan. <laughs> Blasphemer. You're a blasphemer, Mr. Cato. Brilliant. Deep cuts here on on Liminal Unlimited. (laughs) So there's Profile Rock, the supposed site of where Wampanoag historical figure Anawan received the lost wampum belt from Philip. Legend has it the ghost of a man can be seen sitting on the rock with his legs crossed or with outstretched arms. And that is located within the Freetown Fall River State Forest. Solitude Stone is an inscribed stone located near Forest Street in West Bridgewater, which was found near a missing person's body. Also known as Suicide Stone, the rock was found with the inscription, All ye who in future days walk by Nuncatesset Stream, love not him who hummed his lay cheerful to the parting beam, but the beauty that he wooed. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't buy it. <laughs> uh, Bridgewater State University. Several buildings and rooms on campus are alleged to be haunted by ghosts and other paranormal phenomena. Taunton State Hospital. Some visitors have claimed they have had strange paranormal experiences in the hospital, including being touched and pulled in certain areas of the hospital. It is also claimed that the I, hospital... I didn't, I didn't think you were going to say in certain areas of the hospital. <laughs> Of course you didn't. <laughs> Yo, I just got pulled. Are you complaining? <laughs> it is also claimed that the hospital was used by satanic cults during the 1960s and 70s. I don't know what's going on with the cults and Satanists up there. I'll tell you. Hmm. 
And the Hornbein School, the one-room schoolhouse that was built during the 1840s and remained in active use until 1937, it's alleged to be haunted by its former inhabitants. So this is all coming from our favorite Wikipedia. Uh, So some of the more common paranormal claims are unidentified flying objects, often in the forms of bright balls of light or large, unusual spacecraft. Spacecraft. Look at that spacecraft. <laughs> Gosh, it's got giant balls of light. <laughs> it's a mail plane. <laughs> Didn't you see its little balls? <laughs> Unnatural animal sightings, ranging from unusual reports of animals that are not found within the area, such as panthers and bears, to more supernatural claims of giant snakes and enormous vicious dogs. Uh, paranormal humanoids, including sightings of Bigfoot, ghosts, poltergeists, and shadow people. Thunderbird sightings. Giant birds. We've already talked about Thunderbirds. But yeah, giant we covered... Birds are... If you want to know about Thunderbirds, you can go back to our Sky Beasts episode. Um, yeah. So, pterodactyl-like flying creatures with wingspans up to 12 feet are claimed to have been seen in Hockamock Swamp and neighboring Taunton and Easton including a report by Norton Police Sergeant Thomas Downey. Norton. Norton. Cult activity, especially animal mutilations. Various incidents of animal mutilation have been reported, particularly in Freetown and Fall River, where local police were called to investigate mutilated animals believed to be the work of a cult. Mutilations? Mutilations? Two specific incidents in 1998 were reported, one in which a single adult cow was found butchered in the woods, the other in which a group of calves were discovered how do in a they know, clearing. How do they know if that cow was married or not? Oh, my God. <laughs> Grotesquely mutilated as if part of a ritual sacrifice. <laughs> so two incidents in 1998. That doesn't seem like a whole lot. Yeah, but, that, mm. I, you know, and and I've, I'm going to interject here uh, slightly. Um, I, I'm one of those people, and I know this is, this is not going to be... A super popular opinion with um, the majority of uh, any UFO heads out there that listen, um, but I've, to be honest, I've never thought that cattle mutilations were UFO related. Really? Yeah. Oh, I do. I'm goofy like that. Yeah. I th- I think that you're ca- wrong. Well, no, I think cattle mutilations profoundly. Uh, I think this uh, have to do with satanic cult activity if you look at the parts that are taken um they're all stuff that would be used in ritual magic where's the blood they take the blood they drain the blood first and then i mean you you can literally kill a cow just by draining it first i mean that if if you watch videos of people in third world countries when they slaughter uh animals I literally, I saw a video where they brought up a bucket and the guy literally just took the knife and poked it in its like uh, jugular vein and just... I need a trigger warning for this episode too. Well, no, no, no. but (laughs) And they just let the, the, they let the blood drain out into the bucket because the blood was going to be used for other, other things. And what? There's no blood at all. Like no drops. Not even a drop. Well, yeah, if you know what you're doing and you're really good at it. (laughs) 
You know, we're not put we're, too much faith in we're, Satan. We're talking about real Satanists. We're not talking about a bunch of jerk off kids <laughs> going out breaking into abandoned asylums, thinking they're summoning you know hoary demons of the netherworld. I'm talking about real Satanists, real black magic practitioners. They are actually out there. They're not prevalent like you know uh, Tipper Gore thinks. You know, they, they, they don't they don't make rock albums. Can't they get their own cows? They gotta go steal somebody else's cow. That no, that's part teenager. that's that's part of it. It what? can't be you can't go and legally lawfully pay for the cow. That's not satanic. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> come on. That's not satanic at all. But like all the things that they take, like the reproductive organs, the tongues, the eyeballs, all that stuff, that's all stuff that would be used in ritual magic practices. You know, black also magic practices. Stuff that would be used by aliens. Yeah, see, that's that's what gets me. What the hell does an alien need with a tongue? The tongues, like, what? They're delicious. <laughs> apparently. Well, I still maybe they just really like a nice tongue sandwich. I still, I, I, I totally believe that 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 they're they they like to people like to believe. The, the strangest possible thing. And even though this we always say this show's about possibilities and everything. Yeah. I think it's way scarier if there, for decades now, have been Satanists or black magic practitioners, like, ro- roaming the country, like, out in these rural, you know, uh, places where there's, like, miles of nothing, and they literally just walk onto some rancher's property bleed an animal dry and then take the parts they need for their rituals that is way scarier to me than (laughs) you know like 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 some alien running back to the flying saucer going i got its uterus Satanists must not be very good at it because I haven't seen any hoary demons walking around. Well, you think after all this time, have you, have you looked at the political landscape of our country? I think it's working. <laughs> no, they're all too human, sadly. Anyway, so I'm, I'm sorry. I just yeah. I, I had to interject with my my theory about that. I I I just don't think that. I'm not saying it's aliens, <laughs> but it's aliens. So then, last but not least, we have the Pukwudgie, a creature from Algonquin folklore. The local Wampanoag people consider them to be dangerous tricksters. They've been especially associated with the Freetown State Forest within the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, now, and uh, do you have a description of a Pukwudgie? Because I don't think that many people have heard of that, and and they're they're supposed to be like strange little creatures, right? So, it's translated by Henry Schoolcraft, that's a name, as Little Wild Man of the Woods That Vanishes. Um, (laughs) Uh, Yes, I prefer Pukwudgie. (laughs) Sometimes said to be two to three feet tall. According to legend, Pukwudgies can appear and disappear at will, shapeshift, of which the most common form is a creature that looks like a porcupine from the back and a half-troll, half-human from the front and walks upright. Lure people to their deaths, use magic, launch poison arrows, and create fire. Native Americans believe that Pukwudgies were once friendly to humans, but then turned against them and are best left alone. 
According to lore, a person who annoyed a puckwudgie would be subject to nasty tricks by it, or subject to being followed by the puckwudgie who would cause trouble for them. They are known to kidnap people, push them off cliffs, yeesh, attack their victims with short knives and spears, and use sand to blind their victims. Puckwudgies are said to be the enemies of culture heroes Mawshop and Granny Squanet. One yeah. story from Wampanoag folklore explains that they began causing mischief and tormenting the natives out of jealousy of the devotion and affection the natives had for Mawshop, who eventually exiled them to different parts of North America. The Puckwudgies have since been hostile to humans and took revenge by killing Mawshop's five sons. Some variations even suggest they killed Mawshop himself. So yeah, it looks like a porcupine from the back and a half troll, half human from the front. Yeah, puck puck wedgies are basically like the like the American version of like a fa- a fairy folk. You know, there's kind of cute. Yeah, they're these like little creatures that um, that that mess with people. Like I remember hearing uh, a few years back about that story of uh, people were like sighting a puck wedgie outside of that park, like in uh, near Boston or something. Right? They were they were seeing a puck wedgie. He was like like chilling out on like top of a wall there was like some park and it was like a heavily forested park and he's just like chilling on this wall and people were like seeing this little like little brown hairy dude just like hanging out you know and he was like making like hissing at people and like making faces and stuff and then when somebody like actually tried to like approach it he like dove over the back side of the wall and disappeared into the hmm. into the park Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, uh, they're scary little, like, uh, you know, sort of like a cross between, like, a little gnome and a goblin or something. Yeah. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't mess with those. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, um, I do have some stories here. So, these are just a few from the Yankee Express by Thomas D'Agostino. Um... So, in 1988, two boys followed a pair of giant three-toed footprints into the swamp. To their horror, they came upon a massive bird-like creature that neither had witnessed the likes of in their life. The winged monster caught a glimpse of the two boys and took off straight into the air. Um, that sounds like Skinwalker Ranch. It does. Like, the, the two-toed, they were two-toed in, mm-hmm. at Skinwalker Ranch, but believed to be, like, of an avian. It was concluded that the two youths witnessed a great blue heron, a very large bird native to the New England area, but the children swore the creature they saw was much larger than any heron, being more than the, being more the size of a tall man with half-human features. The story was almost laughable until someone remembered another similar sighting. This one was by a well-respected and notable Norton police sergeant named Tim, Thomas Downey. In 1971, as Sergeant Downey was driving home along Winter Street in Marshfield, he came upon a giant creature standing at the edge of the swamp. According to the officer, it resembled a bird, but stood over six feet tall. The creature moved toward the car, then flew straight up away from the vehicle. It had a wingspan of about eight to twelve feet in length. When other officers arrived at the scene, a few large three-toed footprints were all that was found as evidence of such a creature. Oddly enough, the sighting was at a place called Bird Hill, where the indigenous people spoke frequently of a legendary thunderbird. Their ancestors claimed the great bird lives in the swamp, and to this day, apparently, still does. Um, So there's also um, other cryptid sightings. A more famous and often talked about monster is reported to roam the area. It is the creature affectionately known as Bigfoot, Yeti, or Sasquatch. 
1970, residents reported seeing a hairy seven-foot monster running through their yards, sometimes on all four legs. Local and state police conducted a lengthy manhunt for a giant bear, yet no such animal was ever spotted or captured. On April 8, 1970, two officers were parked in a police cruiser near the swamp. Suddenly, the rear end of the car lifted into the air and then dropped with a loud bang. The officers quickly spun the car around and trained their spotlight on something hairy resembling a bear as it ran on two legs behind a house. A thorough search of the area commenced, but no bear or any other creature was ever found. A hunter once shot at a large animal in the woods that ran off and gave a half-human, half-animal cry. Later, he found brown hair and blood on some leaves along the path the creature fled down. A woman in West, West Bridgewater heard a noise one night in her yard. She looked out her window and saw a large bipedal creature eating a pumpkin in her garden. The hairy animal looked at her through the window with reddish-orange eyes, then with a grunt took off with the pumpkin into the woods. So, yeah. So there's some weird cryptid things happening. Let's see. I saw a couple of good Reddit stories, too. There's one person who posted about cult activity, and there's a video that they shared, and you can see, like, fires and lights out in this field, and definitely looks a little sketchy. I walked into the field, and they were worshipping at an owl, a uh, statue of an owl, an owl god, and it was uh, it was terrifying and frightening, and now they're running our country. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're not that kind of podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen a couple like this. Um, they're from the Freetown State Forest. Um, so for con- this is pro- posted on Reddit, uh, the Bridgewater Triangle subreddit by Stalequeef69. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for context, I am very familiar with Freetown State Forest. I grew up in Tiverton and outside of our local spot. This was the place to go to ride dirt bikes and cause mayhem with our Jeeps. Back in October of 2015, a group of us decided to do some off-roading at dusk and test our fancy new light bars. For context, all of us were stone-cold sober, and I would rely on any of their statements to be truthful and not embellished in any way. None of us stand to gain anything from our experience. The night was going fine, and a few tweaks and adjustment stops were made to get our rigs all set up nice nice we all met back up at the base of the quarry and rested our front tires in the water for a group picture with our jeeps and various off-road stuff one of us noticed a tall slender black figure at the top of the cliff we talked it up to a scarecrow of sorts or some creepy mf playing a sick joke on us while starting the vehicles and shining lights up there we all at once noticed whatever the figure was was now gone Trying to be rational, I said, let's call it a night and head back to get go get food or come back to my house to enjoy the rest of the weekend. While entering the trailhead and starting, my, starting to head back, we noticed radio interference coming from my Jeep and decided to shut the radio off. Again, just a fluke and nothing to be alarmed at. The person at the end of the line of vehicles has been a friend of mine for over 15 years. I trust what he saw and the fact that others saw it too backs his story up. The next thing I hear is the voice of my buddy yelling to stand on it and haul ass out of the woods as fast as we can. He's frantic and said, whatever this was is gaining on us. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. The woods went so quiet. All of us experienced this. No sound was coming from anything, even though we were driving. uh, Even though we were driving, it was like we all went deaf at the same time. Then it all came back. It seriously was as if a time warp had occurred and our senses all came back at once. We all experienced this figure, the loss of sound, and I could have sworn I heard a shriek at some point while we were driving away. 
I visited these woods many times and always got a weird and uneasy vibe from them. Borderline unsafe. Um, I haven't been back very frequently. I've gone back once in the last three years and I still feel there's something evil back there. So that's weird. Damn. Yeah. Dark, slender figure chasing them. Yo, run, it's Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Any, any other uh, cool stories? Uh, yeah, let, let me find one. Um, let's see here. Here's a good one. In the Trees from Final Investigator 84. This is my first Reddit post, but I thought it would be good to share our story. I was 15, about five years ago, on this summer day. It was before school started, and I was downstairs playing video games with my screen door open. The air was thick and warm like blood until I heard an awful scream fill the woods. I suddenly got cold and had shivers like never before. For context, I lived near Middleborough in the Bridgewater Triangle and grew up seeing ghosts or weird shadow people. Those were nothing new, but what my brother and I witnessed that night would change how we now looked at the paranormal activity in Massachusetts. Barefoot and now freezing, I walked outside onto my farm towards the woods. I heard the porch door shut as my brother followed. We were not alone. As we got closer to the beast, the screaming, crying, or laughter grew louder and louder. We couldn't tell what this beast was, despite hearing fisher cats, coyotes, and other predators live on our farm for years. For once, something alive made me fear for my own fear for my own life so bad I couldn't move. Its cry was similar to a boar or monkey laughing in pain, but getting worse as we approached. The scary part was it was in the trees moving above us, not on the ground, but climbing or maybe even flying. I know I'd sound nuts to someone who has not seen a monster or something supernatural. Sadly, it was not fiction, but instead in front of my face that summer. I remember my neighbor coming out with a shotgun telling us to get shoes and some weapons, but when we returned, the temperature was back to its warm state. Silence surrounded our forest, and our neighbor was back indoors. My brother and I went back inside, researching every animal call we could, even bears and other predators that weren't in our area, but no luck. I'm still scared to listen to supernatural screams you can find online, because I'm worried I'll find the same call. If anyone has had similar encounters in southern Massachusetts, again, you're not alone. Sadly, that's what scares me. Weird. Yeah. yeah someone else posts, my girlfriend and I have both experienced what I believe is the same call happening frequently at about 2 a.m. when it occurs. It starts far away, then gets closer. Too close. We're both left shaking with chills and usually go in because we get scared. But yeah, it's in the trees. It's in the trees. Isn't that weird? It's in the trees. Really weird. That 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 reminds me um, of that uh, story about me and my friends hearing those screams. Mm, and, oh yeah. And and thinking <laughs> thinking that it was a uh, 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 some poor girl being attacked, and then we get, we get into the woods. We're we're walking through these woods trying to follow the the sound of the screams and all of a sudden it went dead quiet <laughs> not a sound and we're like oh my god she's dead oh my god <laughs> like we're expecting that to find a dead body or run into like some murderer and then all of a sudden the scream comes from 90 degrees to our left and i just scream it moved <laughs> and we all take off running it was in the trees and here it was a screech owl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have one more short one. So in the early 90s, I was eight years old, and my parents, sister, and I were living at Middleborough Circle in Middleborough. Behind the apartments on the left was a wooden area with muck. 
Me and my little sister were playing back there when I saw this huge snake in the muck. It was mostly submerged, but every so many feet you'd see another segment of its body sticking out of the muck as far as I could see. Me and my sister freaked out and ran inside. For reference, it stretched beyond four apartments, at least. Oh, wow. That's a big snake. That is a big snake. And then someone else commented, I know a West Bridgewater police officer who parked his cruiser once to look at a tree blocking the entire road. It slithered away when he approached it. He was shook, told the whole department. <laughs> so now, what what do you think is happening in Bridgewater? Like, what what's going on there? That's a good question. Because that seems to I mean, that seems to be it's it's in a place where you wouldn't expect yeah, the like, amount of cryptid right. events, and there's been UFO events that have happened mm-hmm. in the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, strange lights in the sky, uh, objects like that. I think they described like they've seen like numerous the triangle, the triangle UFOs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So what do you what do you think is happening there? Um, no, no theories. <laughs> I mean, it's odd because there's like there's a swamp, there's you know state forest, there's you know rural areas, but then there's also just little towns and suburban areas and i mean is it a native american curse i don't know i don't i don't, I don't think, think so. so no i would i don't think so but what i i don't know what is going on there like it seems like a very unassuming part of the state just why that part of the state well and i mean do you, do you think that is it more feasible and and we're talking about you know possibilities again is it more feasible that these are flesh and blood creatures and nuts and bolts crafts and things like that or is there like the possibility that it's one of these interdimensional soft spots you know, because we talked about Skinwalker Ranch, you know, we did two mm-hmm. episodes on Skinwalker Ranch, and that's a place I really do believe that physics warps on that that land mm-hmm. and in that in the Uinta Basin. And why? I have no idea. But I think I believe that there's something going on there that that uh, standard modern science can't quite explain. And but do I think that it only happens there? No, I think that there are probably numerous places like that where these crossover points occur. And I think that you can have momentary or recurring crossover points that can happen just about anywhere. But there seem to be these spots where these phenomena are kind of centralized and they cluster and they're they're more numerous and I think that, that, you know, we get these quote-unquote triangles mm-hmm. where these things seem to happen more often, more people see them, more people report them. Um, and I'm one of those people that, that, for me, like the numbers get to a point where people are reporting things, just like with Skinwalker Ranch, just like, you know, we, we talk about with UFOs or hauntings, or cryptids, or whatever, you know, Bigfoot in particular, you you can 
say it, it's just like with the when the UAP report came out, right? When the UAP report came out, they said, "Okay, we have this many reports." I don't know what the actual number was. I haven't, you know, looked up the 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 deets on that. But uh, we have this many sightings of some type of phenomena. Out of those, we've determined that this many are naturally occurring phenomena that people just didn't realize that's what they were seeing. Out of this next percentage, we've identified um, that these were misidentifications. These were planes or other things that people just thought were strange but really weren't. And then they got down to, but we've got two. We've got two that we have not been able to explain or debunk. So if the government is saying out of X number of reports and sightings, two of them, we've got no way to explain those. And they are confirmed events. Not like we just took somebody's word for it. They were confirmed events that we cannot explain by any other means of natural or man-made uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, events, phenomena. So if that applies to that, extrapolate that to ghost sightings. Extrapolate that to Bigfoot sightings. If out of all of the sightings that have taken place, all of these events, if two of them, you know, if they correlate in some way to the UAP phenomenon, if two out of all those events for uh, ghosts are real, unexplainable, ghostly events, then ghosts are real, hauntings are real, it's all real. Right. If two of the Bigfoot sightings are real, then guess what? Bigfoot is real. Sasquatch is real. It's all real. Right. Right. And what is the likelihood that they're all lying? They're all misidentified. They're all making it up. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Even if one story is true, that means it's true. Right. And so I think with these things that happen in, like, in Bermuda or Bridgewater or Alaska or any of these things... If even a small percentage, one to two percent of them are real and you're getting then all of these sightings, all, you know, the, the hundreds of sightings, you know, over time or whatever of the various phenomena, then and, and they seem to be more highly dense and clustered in these areas, then there must be something about those areas that either mm-hmm. attracts the phenomena causes the phenomena or allows the phenomena to occur that's how that's how i feel about it i agree (laughs) what he said dynamite (laughs) no i think there's definitely something weird going on but i don't freaking know what it is (sighs) i think interdimensionality makes sense yeah, I, 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 I think tend that makes a lot of sense. I tend because of how I feel about about UFO phenomena. Um, well, even Bigfoot can be interdimensional because Puck of wedgies. because of the physics of you know what we know about physics, astrophysics, the the physics that we know. I mean, given 
we don't know everything, you know, we may not be totally right about everything, but the, the current and best um, theories in astrophysics would preclude, uh, you know, space travel over light years, you know, warp drives and all this kind of stuff. What would make more sense from a physical standpoint would be a, uh, a race or a group of beings that would have figured out how to warp space-time, how to, you know, poke a hole dimensionally from one point to another and pass through like a doorway. That makes more sense to me than nuts and bolts, things traveling light, you know, light speed across galaxies and, and whatnot. Right. Um, you know, and also because that gets rid of the whole thing of like running into a random asteroid by accident and like, you know, obliterating your entire vessel and crew. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So yeah. If, and if that's possible, then is it possible that, you know, Bigfoot or hauntings or any of this stuff is thing is phenomena that has to do with crossover, dimensional crossover, space time crossover, things like that. I lean more towards that idea than I do other theories or more fantastical theories um you want to get into alaska now let's go to alaska let's travel to the beautiful picturesque state of alaska um the alaska triangle so the alaska triangle has kind of come into uh the know more recently um it wasn't i never heard of the alaska triangle growing up um and but now you've got some shows and some documentaries that have been made about it, um, and it's said to stretch between uh, the three cities of uh, Utkivik, Anchorage, and Juneau. Now, part of how the Alaska Triangle came on the scene was the rate of people that go missing. Now, I've seen. Uh, I've seen conflicting reports. You know, they say, oh, if you look at the raw numbers, uh, only 1,600 or so people have actually uh, gone missing and not been found in some way, shape, or form. Um, Whereas uh, other numbers, if you believe them, say it's a rate of 4 in 1,000 go missing, uh, twice the national average, uh, triggering hundreds of search and rescue missions each year now uh here's the thing so some people say oh you should only count the people who go missing and are never found because that's that's the only weird stuff well we know from what we talked about during the the episode we did kind of covering missing 411 and stuff like that is it's not necessarily about if you're if you're found or not Yes, there are some cases where the people are never found, no remains are ever found, no sign of them uh, is ever discovered. They just uh, disappeared. Poop, they were gone. Poop. But we know that sometimes it's also even weirder in some cases the way a person is found later. Mm -hmm. Because if it's an area that searchers know they went over with a fine-tooth comb, that they searched that area two, three, four times in various formations and ways. Um, The idea that no one stumbled across the remains or belongings or whatever it was, and then months to years later, 
someone walking through the area, you know, finds the stuff pretty as a picture Mm -hmm. sitting there where anybody should have seen it, you know, and that sometimes is spookier, stranger. Right. Um, So I don't discount the ones where they actually eventually did find something. So for this, uh, I wanted to get right into uh, some of the the cases because there's some pretty some pretty cool ones. Um, and, and again, this is a place where they've had uh, not just the missing people, but they've had the UFOs, the cryptid sightings, and they have had uh, just a slew of um, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, January 26, 1950. Uh, this this got me because this is a C-54 Skymaster with an eight-man crew and 36 passengers leaves Anchorage at 1 p.m. They made one check-in over the Yukon and were never seen or heard from again. Um, you know, these things can happen. Planes can go down and not be found. But, I mean, it's... it's uh, it's always a little strange. It's always a little strange when there's just absolutely nothing. Um, one of the more famous ones was 1972. U.S. House Majority Leader Hale Boggs uh, was taking a private plane and disappeared in a snowstorm between Anchorage and Juneau. His plane and no- nothing of him was ever found. Um, talking about airplanes, now this is the most famous probably event that comes out of single event that comes out of the Alaska Triangle and that is the 1986 Japan Airlines flight 1628 uh, the captain was Kenju Tarauchi he was a former fighter pilot former Japanese fighter pilot uh, they encountered three UAPs UFOs um, in, in the course of this one flight um, they radioed in uh, that these objects, the objects were keeping pace with the the plane, with the jet, and moving erratically, moving all around them. Um, they were shadowed by these objects for over 50 minutes hmm. in constant sight, like constant, with a constant view of the objects. Um, two of these objects emitted bursts of blinding light. Um, and the objects were verified by civilian and military radar at various points during the flight. So, you know, this is not just uh, the guys on the plane, oh, you know, somehow oxygen levels plummeted or something inside the cabin right. and they started hallucinating things. No, they had, they had people radar operators saying, I'm getting contacts near you. Um the first two objects approached from the left and below, according to Captain Tarauchi. Um, they seem to have no regard for gravity or inertia, from what he reported. And when the two, the first two objects uh, emitted these uh, blinding flashes of light, um, he believed that these were from reverse thrusts. When they emitted them, he claimed that he could actually feel the warmth inside the cabin of the airplane hmm. from these thruster flashes. 
Um, He reported that they appeared at first square with rectangular arrays of glowing nozzles or thrusters, but if seen from another angle, they might have been cylindrical, which means that they were like cylindrical, but they weren't like horizontally, like traveling like you would think like a a tunnel, a tube, like for the subway, that these were cylinders that were spinning or traveling on the vertical axis. Hmm. Um, Like coffee cans, you know, spinning coffee cans. Um, So that was really weird. Yeah. The third object approached from his 10 o'clock... Uh, initially, it was only uh, seen as a band of light. That's all they saw of it at first. But when they started their approach over Fairbanks, the city lights of Fairbanks revealed an object that he says was the size of two aircraft carriers. Hmm. Um, Anchorage uh, called him on the radio, asked if he wanted military assistance. They would send up uh, a squadron, but Terauchi declined, and apparently, from what he says, it was because of uh, the Mantell incident. The Mantell incident is an incident that happened January seventh, nineteen forty-eight, where Thomas Mantell of the Kentucky Air National Guard died in a crash as the result of the pursuit of a UFO. He followed the object in a steep climb in his P-51 Mustang, and it's believed that he probably blacked out at altitude and dropped out of the sky and crashed. So Terauchi knew that story, knew of the Mantell incident, and he did not believe it was safe for them to send up Hmm. fighter pilots who might try to chase this thing and possibly get into trouble because of how they were how the objects were flying, you know, he, he immediately assessed being a former fighter pilot, these things will outfly anything that they try to send up after them. And so he thought it was too dangerous. He didn't want to provoke anything. Right. Um, so yeah, so that, uh, that was the, uh, Japan air incident and it's, it's widely known. And I have another note here. Where's my other note? I thought I had another note. Way to be prepared, honey. (laughs) Well, now I'll have to do it from memory. Um, This was the event that uh, one of the uh, air traffic controllers uh, on the ground that was monitoring the radar. uh, I wish I could remember the guy's name. But he, he reports that after the incident, they saved all of the radar data. Um... They, they recorded it, they saved it, and then he reported to FAA superiors, and then they were, they're brought into a meeting, and he claimed that at the meeting uh, was a representative of the FBI, a representative of the CIA, two other and two other guys that claimed to be from uh, Reagan's science advisory team, um, but he didn't believe that. He, he thought they were some, something else, somebody else. Because they space force. Because they didn't act like a couple of scientists, according to him. Hmm. They acted more like, you know, the way he would expect, like DOD or somebody like that to to, to act. And um, they reviewed all the data. They took their reports and everything. 
and then they collected all of it. They said they said uh, they asked him, "Are these the only copies?" He lied and said yes. <laughs> and then they took they collected everything up and they said, "Okay, this is the property of the federal government now, of the you know um, defense department or whatever." And they said this meeting never happened. <laughs> we were never here. You never saw us. We don't know who you are. You don't know who we are. And they took all the stuff and they left. Hmm. Um, so that was weird. Interesting. Now, one of the theories um, about why this stuff happens in Alaska, before I get into some of the other stories, is some people think that there are massive swirling energy vortexes in the Alaska Triangles. Yes. Which... <laughs> there are. <laughs> Totally true. I believe it. So electronic readings have detected higher magnetic irregularities in the Alaska Triangle in Alaska than in other places. Uh, searchers have reported compass readings, reading malfunctions up to 30 degrees off of where they should be. So they're out searching for these missing people and their compasses aren't working properly. Um, and the, these are like established issues in Alaska. That, that mm -hmm. there are these magnetic irregularities up there for some reason, being probably close to the pole. You know, the magnetic pole isn't always exactly in the same spot all the time. And um, so they get these strange magnetic irregularities. Um, search volunteers have reported uh, actually ha experiencing disorientation and audio hallucinations while searching for people in the triangle. Hmm. Um, strange, strange stuff. Yeah. Uh, now here's uh, it gets interesting. There's another Native American connection, uh, another indigenous connection, because up there you have the uh, Tling. I'm gonna probably not pronounce these right. I'm doing my Definitely. best. The Tlingit and the Simshian peoples. Uh, they believe in a shape shifting cryptid that stalks the triangle, hunting humans. Uh, these are called Kustika. Um, it's spelled the phonetic, if you pronounced it phonetically, it looks like Kustaka, but apparently it's pronounced Kustika. So if you want to get really freaked out, imagine a Kustika. Uh, these are Bigfoot-like creatures that have the bodies of a man, long arms, sharp claws, and then the heads of otters. So it looks like you. What? What? Did I say that out loud? What is the matter with you? Otters are adorable. Yeah, and they do little human things with their hands. They do. <laughs> well, these otters are not adorable. Oh. Um, because they, their favorite thing to do is to disguise themselves as a trusted relative or friend, appearing to those who are lost or injured. And they attempt to lead them deeper into the woods where they do one of two things. They either rend their flesh to ribbons and consume them. Okay. Or, and this is them being uh, charitable, or they turn them into Kustika. Oh. Uh, they, they believe to possibly save their lives, that they would die otherwise. So they turn them into Kustika like them, so they can become shape-shifting, shape otter-headed beasts that rend the flesh of humans. I mean, that sounds better than being shredded, I guess. 
Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, they are said to mainly prey on children. Um, wow. But I, but that could also be like folktale stuff, not like cool. like hey, you better get in bed yeah. or the kustika is gonna come get you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and some tales are benevolent. And they try to save the person, prevent them from dying from hypothermia, turn them into kustika. Um, now here's the thing: you can identify them by their low, high, low whistle sound that they make. <laughs> it's a um, but they uh, they can be warded off by using either copper, urine, or fire, and apparently they are afraid of dogs. Hmm. And the barking of a dog will actually force a kustika to reveal itself, hmm. supposedly. Urine. <laughs> urine urine so if you see a kustika just start peeing just piss yourself as start quickly as possible like a dog bark, bark <laughs> like a dog piss yourself light a fire and jam some copper in its face okay always carry a pipe always carry a piece of copper water pipe um the scariest part of this whole thing is that they were once hunted by charlie sheen what? <laughs> Apparently, at some point, Charlie Sheen did. There's only so much. Sorry, what? <laughs> there's only so so much two and a half men money that you can spend on blow and hookers. <laughs> so <laughs> Charlie Sheen, at some point, decided he was going to waste some of that money on flying to the far reaches of the planet, uh, hunting cryptids of various kinds. I don't know if he was. This sounds like he was trying to pitch a reality show. Yeah, I'm going to say, like, is this was this for a show? Like, can you we know? watch this? Or he just did it? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. There had to be cameras involved. I'll, I'll tell you, none of these cryptids can stand up against my tiger blood. None of them. Winning. I'm full of tiger blood and blow, and I'm winning. <laughs> and the Kustika doesn't stand a chance. And he actually said when he went to Alaska to hunt the Kustika and did not find one, it stayed hidden like a sissy. <laughs> that was. That he was. He knows if it can shape shift into somebody that you know. That was. Maybe he did find one. Final report on the Kustika. Yeah, may, maybe Charlie Sheen. I can't believe this wasn't turned into a show. Maybe Charlie Sheen is a Kustika. Yes, that would explain so much. Maybe Charlie Sheen never returned from Alaska. Right. The Kustika did. Have you ever seen him with a dog? I haven't. I haven't. There you go. Claims hmm. he's got tiger blood. Maybe. Yeah, maybe blood. it's a misunderstanding. Maybe he's trying to say otter blood. Mm-hmm. He's full of otter blood mm-hmm. and blow. <laughs> Not tiger blood. <laughs> I, I'm. That's my theory now. I'm sticking I with like it. it. I'm sticking with it. Charlie Sheen is a Kustika. <laughs> A, a secret, Richards, a secret Kustika. Somebody get a dog on that guy. <laughs> somebody, somebody near Charlie Sheen right now. Within the sound of my voice, if you're near Charlie Sheen, piss yourself. <laughs> <laughs> piss yourself and bark like a dog. Wait a second. <laughs> on second thought, Charlie Sheen might be super into that. Don't do it. 
He might. You, <laughs> you might get the opposite reaction. Mm, just in case he's not acoustic. Just in case he's not acoustic. I could be wrong, guys. <laughs> I could be wrong. He might not be. So don't bark like a dog and piss yourself. Just go rip a copper pipe out of the bathroom and wave it in his face. See what happens. I think a girl already tried that once. Um, so. In 1900, there was a gold prospector named Harry Culp, and he was with three companions exploring the Patterson Glacier north of Thomas Bay, which also was called the Bay of Death. Um, It was called the Bay of Death because in 1750, a landslide killed 500 Tlingit villagers, um, and it was actually thought to to buy the Tlingit that was thought to be caused by uh, the Kustika. The um, wow. So Culp was up there wandering around looking for gold and he's uh, off by himself. He's not with his th- the three other people and he had just discovered, according to him, he had just discovered a, a, a big quartz vein in the side of a ridge. And so he, he climbs back up. He takes a piece of the quartz with him. He breaks off a chunk of the quartz um, and then covers it back up. He doesn't want anybody else to find this quartz. And he climbs back up the ridge, is at the top of the ridge, and he looks down uh, and he sees a, a group of these creatures, he calls them devils, swarming up the ridge in his direction. Um, by his words, he says, neither men nor monkeys yet looked like both. He said they were covered in long, coarse hair, and they chased him. He described a repulsive stench that they gave off, and he claimed that he barely escaped with his life, um, but the chunk of quartz he had was to prove that he had actually been there and, and that this happened, that he, was, he found this vein of quartz. And he refused for the rest of his life to go back for the rest of the quartz because he was not going to go back to that place if those things were in the area. So now, at this point, you know, this isn't just something that's uh, talked about in old-timey 1900 gold prospectors, you know, that they're not the only ones that see Kustikas. So I do have a, uh, a Reddit post. Um, this is from the Skinwalkers Reddit, um, posted by Depressed Cottagecore. <laughs> that, sounds like a, Love it. that sounds like a weird mixture of heavy metal and folk music. <laughs> Cottagecore? Yeah, cottagecore. This is depressed cottagecore. So this uh, post is titled, Skinwalkers Kushtika in Alaska. Uh, I'm not sure exactly if it was a Kushtika or not, but I'm pretty positive that it was a skinwalker. My husband and I were up in Alaska with his side of the family in an Airbnb in Wasilla right next to a lake. For the most part, we stayed there uneventfully, but there are still a few things that happen that we still can't explain. The first night, I'm not sure what my husband was thinking, but he decided to whistle at night. He regretted doing it the rest of the week and didn't do it again. Almost immediately after, we heard a baby cry. And I forgot to mention this when I was talking about the Kushtika. That is like the most common way that Kushtika supposedly, according to the indigenous peoples, that's how they lure people is they, they make it sound like there's a baby crying in the woods mm. and you want to go investigate and find the baby and then your 
felled upon by Kushtika. Right. So he whistles, he hears the baby cry. Keep in mind, we don't have any kids staying with us. We thought maybe it was the TV, but nothing was on, and we were all alone. Everyone else was either asleep or out of the house. Then, I kid you not, all the motion detection lights flipped on, and the cries stopped. Mm. At this point, we're a little freaked out, but still in denial. Unfortunately, it kept happening throughout the week we were there. Eventually, even all my in-laws heard it. Then on the second to last day, my husband and I woke up around 2 a.m. and heard a huge bang against the window above our beds. Could have been a wild animal, but still, we got the message. I don't think my husband is ever going to whistle at night again after this. Creepy. So that sounds to me like a kushtika. Totally. You know, they. I think they're they're thinking skinwalkers because that's their reference. Yeah. And I it, I get the feeling that it wasn't till after they left Alaska and maybe told some people about this. Somebody must have been like, "Oh, that sounds like Kushtika. That's what they have up there." Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, totally sounds like a Kushtika. You know, the idea that you're whistling and all of a sudden you start hearing the baby crying and everything. It's yeah. like it's almost as if. The Kushtika were like, oh, you want to be one of us? Oh, well, come into the woods. Come into the woods. You know. Creepy. So, you know, then there are other triangles. Other Other triangles? Other triangles. Even you can have a triangle. You get a triangle. And and you you get get a a triangle. triangle. Where's the Pennsylvania? There has to be a Pennsylvania Come triangle. On. There has to be. We'll so, find one. Somebody, if you know, if there's a Pennsylvania triangle, write into us at uh, liminalunlimited at gmail dot com and tell us if there's a. Tell us about the triangle in your state. Yeah. Where's your devil's triangle? Show us your devil's triangle. Send us pictures of your devil. <laughs> Wait. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> If you have pictures of Charlie Sheen shape-shifting into a Kushtika... We want that. We want those pictures. Absolutely. But yeah, tell right into us. Tell us about if there's a triangle in your state, a weird, mysterious triangle, um, because apparently they're everywhere. So some people believe there's a Nevada triangle. Uh, this would be between Reno, Las Vegas, and Fresno, California. Uh, and they think this because there's a high number of plane crashes there. They think that something wonky must be going on. But there is an atmospheric uh, phenomena that happens there that they call the Sierra Rotor. And that's where horizontal atmospheric rotation east of the Sierra Range is caused by strong westerly winds. So they think people try to fly through there and get all wonky and crash. Boring. Yeah. Then... Uh, there's the devil, or not the devil, the dragon's triangle, um, otherwise known as the Formosa Triangle or the Devil's Sea. That's a region of the Pacific Ocean uh, south of Tokyo, Japan. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that struck me, because a lot of people are just like, oh, well, it's just like a weird part of the ocean. You know, stuff happens there. Again, they're like blaming atmospheric things or mm-hmm. sea turbulence or whatever. However, Godzilla. Godzilla. 
Godzilla farts, Mm -hmm. releasing methane hydrates. So August 1945, a Mitsubishi A6M0 goes missing. A distress signal from the wing commander, a Shiro Kawamoto, he says on the radio, quote, something is happening in the sky. The sky is opening up. Ooh. That's fucking weird. Yeah. And um, some people believe that the ship disappearances that happened there are due to undersea volcanic activity in that area and that possibly methane hydrates are the culprit to those. But yeah, that one... Definitely portals. The zero got me because out of all of them, that was the one that had the... the, That had the... That was a, a little, you know boogie meter there yeah um something is happening in the sky the sky is opening up that's creepy as fuck definitely creepy um so yeah that's a little smattering of triangles from around the world um but the last thing i wanted to talk about this is the craziest thing i found there is a triangle in vermont i was just gonna say that I told you I was going to talk about this one. Okay, go. And it's called the Bennington Triangle. That's right. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and 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 what hap- what happens in the Bennington Triangle, honey? People go missing. People go missing. Uh, it's an area in southwestern Vermont uh, that uh, covers the Green Mountains. And between 1945 and 1950, they had a string of unsolved mysteries uh, not unsolved mysteries unsolved mysteries (laughs) unsolved disappearances um how many people went missing honey do you know nope six 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 people went missing and i've got the list here and what happened to them uh it all started november of 1943 a fellow by the name of carl herrick he was hunting with his cousin. Now, these, almost, a bunch of these sound like missing 411. Mm-hmm. He's hunting with his cousin. They uh, get separated. Carl's body is found days later, gun nearby his, by his body, unfired. The official cause of death was squeezing. 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 Because, and they determined that because his uh, ribs had punctured his lung. Like, literally, his entire rib cage was crushed, and they believed from, from all sides, as if something just squeezed him to death. Like a giant snake. <laughs> yeah, I would think he'd been, it would have been eaten. Not this, well, maybe. But, I mean, literally, maybe like a bear hug from a Sasquatch. Maybe. Um, or some other strange phenomena. So then... Two years later, same month, two years later, November 1945, uh, Mitty Rivers, an experienced hiker and hunter, 74 years old, is guiding a hiking group in a familiar area to them. They walked ahead of the group, and poop, he was gone. Mitty was gone. Uh, This was a case where the U.S. Army joined in the search. They searched for over a month. And the only thing they ever recovered of Mitty was a single rifle cartridge. So now 
the next year after that, it's December, it's not November, it's December, but same time of year, Paula Jean Weldon, an 18-year-old Bennington College student, uh, she tells roommates uh, she liked to hike, and she was down with going solo. She liked to just go up in the mountains and hike by herself. She tells her roommates she's going for a solo hike on what was called the Long Trail. Who goes for a hike by themselves in December in Vermont? It's just not a good idea, people. It really Don't isn't. Do that. It really isn't. We would advise against that. it. She tells roommates she's going for a solo hike. Uh, a local named Lewis Knapp gave her a ride and dropped her off near the trail. So he didn't do anything because she spoke with other hikers when she got there. Mm. There were a few other hikers. She she had a little chat with them, and then she struck off on her own. Uh, she goes missing. The search lasted for four weeks. No result. She was never found. Three years after that, 1949, James Tedford, this is the weird one. Yeah, this is a really weird one. James Tedford, 68-year-old World War II veteran, uh, disappears off a moving bus. There are 14 other passengers on that bus. They said that he had been just sitting in his seat, sleeping the entire trip. They said he did not exit the bus. His belongings were still sitting in the seat where he had been, and he just vanished. October 1950, Paul Jepson, eight years old, he's on the family farm with his mother. She Now, she does a bit of a stupid thing. She leaves him in the truck while she goes to feed the pigs. It took her an hour to feed the pigs. I don't know if this was a regular thing they did, and maybe Paul was normally good. I don't know. But she comes back from feeding the pigs. He's gone. No trace. They get bloodhounds out. They follow a scent to a crossroads. Now, the crossroads was in the general direction. There's a mountain uh, in the Bennington Triangle called uh, Glastonbury Mountain. It's part of the Green Mountains. Uh, And apparently he had been obsessed with this mountain for several days for some reason. Kept talking about Glastonbury Mountain. And that's where the trail dies, is in the direction of Glastonbury Mountain. Hmm. And How they, old was he? He was eight. Eight. They never find him. Hmm. Two weeks later, after Paul Jepson, Frida Langer, 53, avid hiker, she's hiking with her cousin from Glastonbury Mountain. She falls in a creek, gets soaked. She goes. She says, I'm going to go back to the camp and get dry clothes. Her cousin Herbert stays on the trail and waits for her. She never returns. 400 people searched for her for two weeks. Six months later, her body is found a little less than three and a half miles from camp. Cause of death could not be determined. She was already decomposed. Weird. Now, about this Glastonbury Mountain, local native tribes have believed that Glastonbury Mountain was cursed because uh, apparently they had a burial ground near the base of Glastonbury Mountain. Um, Another strange thing, this is fairly coincidental, but two of the victims, Paul, the 8-year-old, and Paula, the 18-year-old, were both last seen wearing red, red coats. Um, Like Elisa Lam. Yes, like Elisa Lam. That's really weird, too. Uh, The six victims all disappeared in mid-afternoon all between 3 to 4 p.m., 
and all during the last three months of the year. Hmm. And that's over the, you know, whatever it was, five-year period, mm-hmm. four-year period. Um, some people think, is it mine shafts? Did they fall into mine shafts? Was yeah. it animals? Is there a strange killer? Uh, were they just mm-hmm. killed by the environment? You know, did they go mm-hmm. out and... Or is it something strange about Bennington and the area around Glastonbury Mountain? Yes. Yes. But nothing since then. Th- there, that there, we know of. There have been there have been disappearances or murders, but they're they're very common. They're not nearly as strange or weird hmm. as these, and and none of them have happened as close together. Like these did. This was like this spate of people going missing right. during this time period. That it was noticeable enough that people were like, what is going on in Bennington? That is weird. It is weird. That bus one is weird. So how, does, it, how do you disappear off of a moving bus? How? I don't know. Aliens. Time warps. Maybe. Portals. God. It could happen to you. That's terrifying. I do worry about that. But, like, I worry about, like, walking in the woods or something and walking into a portal and disappearing. But if it can happen while you're in a moving vehicle, just randomly. You're just sitting there. Yeah, you just hit the right spot on the turnpike and you're gone. Or imagine you're driving Mm -hmm. and the person next to you. Disappears. Just disappears. How are you going to explain that to the cops? Mid-sentence. How are you going to explain that to the cops? I know. But it's like I could be sitting there and going, hey, honey, I think we should. Gone. Mm. <laughs> hey, wait. <laughs> a, don't, don't look so. <laughs> that doesn't sound so bad. What? Ah, <laughs> oh, you're horrible. <laughs> yeah, but then the cops, again, they're going to be like, he was last seen in your car, captured on this camera, and now he's gone. Where's the body? All right. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. So, we got to put a button on this. So, what what do we what do we think? Do we think that uh, what what about Alaska? Do you think Alaska is is Alaska's a all fucked paranormal up. hot yeah. spot? Oh yeah, strange weird things. electromagnetic weirdness. Well, and that's the and thing is definitely that Kushtika. again. Not to not to harp on Skinwalker Ranch, but that's related with the strange electromagnetic phenomena and mm-hmm. things that are happening up there. Same things have been reported at Skinwalker Ranch. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's easily a place, even more so than the other places we've talked about. I think the Alaska Triangle is a place where there could totally be uh, a major crossover point. Yeah. Um, for these things. And, you know, a lot of times the native peoples, they, they recognize this stuff. They point it out. They, they say all the time that this stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, the Bennington Triangle, I'm not sure. That's, it's just crazy. It's weird. I don't know necessarily that that's, you know, um, of the level of Alaska or Bridgewater or Bermuda or any of those. But, I mean, it is strange. It's weird stuff. And I think these probably happen, things like this probably happen more places more often than we know about or want to realize um so often it's okay to look for the mundane reasons you know um you want to look for those first but uh, these things they start to hedge out of reasonable explanation 
Right. Yeah, especially the bus disappearance. Craziness. Yeah. So, uh, honey, anything else to say about Devil's Triangles? Ding! ding a ling a ling a ling <laughs> Um, no. Wait, no. are you a kushtika? <laughs> oh, that wasn't a whistle. <laughs> no, dear. That was supposed to be a triangle. I know. I, <sighs> I wish I had one, man. Um, no. It's interesting. I wonder, like, if there's any, like, triangles in, like, China or India or Thailand. Like, you don't hear about... I mean, I guess we don't hear about stuff like that, but... I guess there's that one in Japan, but there have to be others in other yeah. parts of the world. We should look into that. Yeah. Well, anyway, tell us uh, tell us what you think. Tell us what you think this is all about. Like I said, tell us if you have a triangle in your state, you know, someplace where a lot of weird stuff seems to happen and congregate. Um, we would love to hear about it. Or a parallelogram. Or a rhombus, mm-hmm. rhomboid. Mm-hmm. If you have a rhomboid, go get it checked. <laughs> and then let us know if it's paranormal. <laughs> and don't go hiking by yourselves. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Don't go hunting by yourself. Don't go hiking by yourself. You know, like, stick together. Stay within, like, eye shot or ear shot or something, you know. So if something grabs you and squeezes your rib cage till your <laughs> lungs pop, you know, your your cousin will hear you. You know, please. You don't need to be miles away from each other. Well, all right. Well, that was triangles, honey. What do you think? I like it. Are you happy? Are you happy yeah. with the way you really wanted to cover this subject? Are you yeah. happy with the way it turned out? I'm happy. All Are right. you happy? If you're happy, I'm happy. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> okay. I'll remember you said that. You heard it here, folks. Time to make mama happy. <laughs> so anyway, so... Uh, yeah, please reach out to us. Uh, you know the Gmail, liminalunlimited at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at the Liminal Unlimited Facebook page, or you can catch us on Twitter. Uh, send us a twat. Be a twit. Send us a twat. We love to read them uh, at, at Limin and Limipod. Um, but if that's too tough, just type in Liminal Unlimited. You'll find it. Um, so thank you so much for listening. There's no blue check mark. There's no blue by check the way. mark. But it's us. But but we're we're hopped we up. Promise. But we are hopped up on tiger blow and tiger blood and coke. Tiger blow. Tiger blow. <laughs> tiger blood and blow, and we're ready to go. And um, if if you try to come at us like a kushtika, we'll just pee ourselves and bark like dogs. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night, honey. Ha ha ha!